0: Welcome to the Ghosties Podcast. I'm Christina, a psychic medium. And I'm Missy, a medium-ish. We, we are besties who look, who look for ghosties. ghosties. Join us as we talk all things paranormal, go on the occasional investigation, and receive messages from spirit and our spirit guides along the way. This is Ghosties. Ghosties. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, well, good. Thank goodness. I was so worried. <laughs> I didn't have my microphone hooked up last time, and so I'm trying to tonight, and hopefully it works. Yeah, I can hear you good. Welcome.
1: Welcome.
0: To the spookiest version of the Ghosties podcast. <laughs> um, I'm going to start off by saying it is a weird day. And Christina now has a poltergeist in her house. Take it away, Christina.
1: <laughs> Y'all, we are doing an interesting episode today on the Amityville haunting. And just in the time that we decided to do this episode, which what we decided what last week sometime.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Girl, the time. Don't ask me the time. It could have been <laughs> yesterday. It could have been last year. I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> um. But just in the time that I've decided to do research on this, y'all, I've gotten sick. I'm working on a chest cold right now. I have had the weirdest dreams. Like last night, I dreamt about a murder. My ears are ringing right now. Um, My coffee pot has gone off on its own three separate times now today and brewed a pot of coffee.
0: Girl, unplug it. If it happens again, throw it out the window.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is a whole situation. So.
0: How, how do you still have water in there for it to brew anything?
1: I've refilled it. Don't. Well, I mean, naturally. Now, I mean, <laughs> girl, it beeped the second my tush hit the chair in here to start this recording.
0: I would have gotten up, yanked that cord out so hard. <laughs> hey, it's out. We're. I'm gonna plug it into a different outlet. Like we're not even playing around now.
1: It's out. See, they know that that irritates me. So that's why I know that it's not not somebody that's usually in here spirit-wise. They're trying to get an energetic reaction, basically.
0: They can get all the energy and the reactions they want over there because I'm not here for it tonight. (laughs) I'm too scared. I'm too jumpy.
1: Yes. The energy's weird.
0: Yeah, man. When I messaged you earlier, it was just like I had to fill in for um, a meeting for a teacher today one of the IAs and I for two different teachers so we went outside with the class for recess and it was like it looked like snow sky yes and Mm -hmm. I'm like but it's 60 degrees like what's happening so I was like it's just weird out here the energy was weird and then there was something that sounded like a big pop at one point that I messaged you about and the all of the kids outside which is like four classes out there so like 80 kids got quiet a little bit like not completely and I looked at the other IA and I was like "Was that a gunshot she said I don't know what it was my hearing's bad she said but everybody got quiet I said I know and she said was it just one I was like yeah it was just one and then there was a plane that was flying so close to the building and then one of the other teachers not long after that said there was a second one and I didn't see it or hear it but they were standing further over so it must have been a little further past the school that I couldn't see but I mean it was so close and all the kids stopped and were pointing up at it screaming it was close I was like what is happening today I was so I was on alert at that point
1: (laughs) yeah I saw the picture of that that was wild
0: but I just don't have. I don't know. It was it was weird. And then after I got inside, I could hear helicopters out there. I'm like, oh god, what is going on? Happening. I think we're all kind of on alert after that elementary school shooting not far from us last week. So we're all just. Yes. You know, it's you know so tragic, but I don't just, know. It's awful. Yeah. And and so just you know that on top of Mercury retrograde and we just had a full moon and it is everybody's just I feel like on edge right now. Mhm. I had some weirdness this week too with my dream.
1: Yes, you did. Yeah, I,
0: I had a dream. Um, and I think I've talked about the dream before. I'm not going to say any names of who it was, but it's a, a person that I that was a friend of ours that is now in spirit. And um I had a couple of dreams, visitation dreams about him a few years ago, and I haven't in a long time, And I had a dream the other night. Long story short, he'd asked me if I was still mad at him about something, and he called it the "The move to Hawaii." And that meant about the circumstances around his passing is what he meant. um and it was a really intense dream, and I couldn't tell if it was. A, I'm getting goosebumps right now. I couldn't tell if it was a visitation at first because of the way he referenced his passing, and I was like, "Why would he say that?" You know. And then when I was, you know, talking to you yesterday, I realized he means his crossing over. Uh huh. Like because like you've said before, what happens when we die? Like you go over there, and it's you know, apparently at some point really beautiful and almost like a paradise to some people. Um, so Hawaii, I guess in a way, and apparently he, I don't think he's ever been to Hawaii or he had ever been to Hawaii. So maybe it was just what he thought Hawaii would be like. Mm. Um, so that was his interpretation of it. And then, uh, oh, I'm getting goosebumps again yesterday afternoon. Uh, this is within the same, like 48 hours. I go and tutor, um, a couple girls and one of them said she'd been working on like some kind of book that she and her friend were writing in their English class. And she pulled it out and showed it to me. And the title of that book is the move to Hawaii. Except with Hawaii spelled wrong, because, you know, that's hard for kids. So it's missing the second a, but either way, when I saw that, I just, my jaw just about hit the floor because I was like, what are like, what a synchronicity you know Mm -hmm. he wanted
1: it that wasn't just a coincidence
0: yeah because I was questioning it and it took me like a day to tell you because I was just trying to process it Well, I don't know if it was a day I think I told you later that night but it at least was the whole day that I just it just made me really sad and I just didn't know if it was really a visitation or just like you know just a random dream but now I know that's crazy so the veil must be thin, y'all. <laughs> it really
1: is. We took the girls out last night, and you know how it feels outside at night during Halloween? hmm It has, like, that really thin veil, kind of eerie, kind of like you're being watched a little bit kind of feeling, but, like, that crisp fall feeling. It right. felt like that last night, and it doesn't usually feel like that this time of year.
0: Not me lighting some incense right now. <laughs>
1: Honey, I've I've cleansed the whole house. I washed my front, back, and side doors, re-upped on my protection rituals and practices. I've got rope incense going right now. I'm not messing around tonight.
0: (laughs) My giant thing of sage is in here. I should just start (laughs) saging the room as we record. (laughs) (laughs) Just go ahead and let it on out. (laughs)
1: Y'all, it's Christina from the Ghosties Podcast, and I get this question all the time. How can I book a session with you? Head on over to christinathemedium.com. I offer meet your spirit guide sessions, spirit chat phone calls with yours truly, distance Reiki by proxy sessions, as well as Reiki certification classes. If you've been thinking for a while now about jumpstarting your spiritual awakening and healing journey, definitely check out christinathemedium.com or find me on my TikTok channel at Christina the Medium, and click on my link tree to book a session. Looking forward to working
0: with each of you. Love y'all. Oh, hello. I was sitting here waiting for you to send me the link and I'm like, I'm tell you what, if this isn't recorded, we ain't trying again. <laughs> and girl, it, the part one still hasn't processed yet. Why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> Setting ourselves up for failure. Do you want to stop? Oh no. I mean let's let's do it, but I'm a custom spirit out if this doesn't work.
1: Girl. All right, y'all. So we are talking about Amityville uh, haunting tonight. Um, y'all, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. My voice is gonna go for as long as it's gonna go. So we're gonna try and get through this. So Amityville, everybody's probably heard of it, but what actually happened? What's truth? What's fiction? Let's talk about it.
0: Are you tapping? I'm not tapping.
1: Okay. Could hear
0: tapping on your end. Oh, great. Cool. The microphone is sitting upright, doing nothing. (laughs) Cool. Okay. Here we go.
1: (laughs) Here we go. Um, So before we talk about the Lutz family, which was the family that actually reported the actual haunting within the Amityville house. Uh, we need to go back a little bit further to the original owners, which was the DeFeo family. So on the night of November the 13th, 1974, 23-year-old eldest son, Ronald Butch DeFeo Jr., who was born on September the 26th, 1951, shot his parents, two brothers and two sisters with a 35 caliber Marlin rifle while they slept. Trigger warning, y'all. <laughs> the six victims included... Ronald DeFeo, forty-three; Louise DeFeo, forty-two; Don DeFeo, eighteen; Allison DeFeo, thirteen; Mark Gregory DeFeo, twelve; and John Matthew DeFeo, at uh, age nine. Um, so his defense attorney, after he was arrested, he was very quickly apprehended and caught after they did some investigating. Um, his defense attorney. Uh, was trying to establish an insanity plea. Um, DeFeo testified that he heard voices in his head telling him to murder his entire family. Uh, Assistant District Attorney uh, Gerard Sullivan made sure that the insanity plea did not hold up, ultimately convicting him uh, of a guilty verdict. In a 2002 Primetime Live interview, Ronald DeFeo Jr. gave from prison. He recanted his original testimony, explaining that his parents were abusive and that he committed these murders while he was drunk and high on heroin. So I tried to tune into the energy of that event to see if I could see if his original testimony was factual. I did not get the feeling like there
0: was you okay? Yeah. There's something happening. Did you hear the big crash? Uh, I did not hear a big crash.
1: Okay. It was like somebody grabbed
0: your mic just a second ago. I mean, it's sitting in the same spot. I don't know. Cool, cool. cool, <laughs> cool great. Cool. Here we go. Cool, cool. I'm cool. sorry. It's literally sitting on a stand like in front of me. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> uh, so, oh, great.
1: <laughs> according to uh butch he said basically that his parents were abusive um you're not moving at all
0: I- i'm literally just sitting here trying to be like ice right now because i'm so scared to make a move because the chair creaks.
1: <laughs> there's so much noise coming from your end at least from what i can hear
0: <sighs> here we go I- i'm like literally just like frozen right now i'm not even here we I'm go. not even touching my glass like I'm just like so scared
1: here we go okay so guys I tried to tune into the energy of this event basically to see if I could see if his testimony was factual um I did not get a feeling like he was experiencing any sort of paranormal activity in the beginning I got the feeling like that was a big excuse to be honest I don't mean that any disrespect or you know if there's any spirits in here related to him, I don't mean any disrespect by saying, oh gosh, <laughs> yeah, but that's, it's what I felt. Um, I do absolutely think that he was probably engaging in some substance abuse and that likely contributed to what happened. Um, but I don't know, there was some funkiness going on there to be honest, Joe. Um, So cut to the Lutz family moving into the house. Um, The DeFeo murders, remember, happened on November the 13th, 1974. So George and Kathy Lutz move in. uh, They get married on July. um, Let's see, in July of 1975, Kathy had three kids from a previous marriage. Daniel, who was nine
0: years old, Christopher, who was seven. Melissa, aka Missy, aged. I'm done with you. You know what? Okay, that'll be all, guys. Thank you. Find us on Facebook. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> yeah, when I saw that, I was like, she's going to love that. Great. Yeah. Uh, the real estate agent um, told them about the DeFeo murders, and after discussing things with Kathy and George, they decided that it wouldn't be an issue. Okay. Uh, so they moved into the house on. Uh, December the 18th, 1965, 1975, excuse me, a little over a year after the murders were committed. um, They got the house for a steal of a price. They paid $80,000 for it. Um, That was way below market value back in 1975. This was also a waterfront property. Was a five bedroom Dutch colonial house on a lake with a pier, a boat house, and it was also fully furnished with all of the Tefeo's previous
0: belongings. Oh, I mean, of course, we don't mind what.
1: When they toured the house, apparently, and they saw the furnishings, George asked them if they could include those things for an additional four hundred dollars within the closing price. Yeah. They they did not share the news of the DeFeo murders with the children until the day they were literally moving into the house. Oh, God.
0: Why share it (laughs) at (laughs) all?
1: Well, so I watched a documentary that the oldest son, Daniel, did. It's called My Amityville Horror. It's now streaming. You can find it on several major platforms. Danny is a very angry and traumatized man um, in his 50s I would say um, and he maintains that the book was embellished but that a lot of what they reported happened Oh, he especially said that um, I, there was just a lot of really weird stuff going on in the house prior to them even moving in to the Amityville house so um, with that said, he said that when they pulled up in the driveway, basically their mother, you know, they were all sitting in the back seat and Kathy turned around to all the kids and said, Hey, you know, I just want to let you know, the the family that lived here before they were all murdered. And he mm. said, we we're all so young. We didn't know what murdered meant. So we were just like, okay, you know, and they just started unpacking. So. It was a friend of George who learned of the house's history and insisted with George that he have the house blessed by a priest. George claims that he was a non-practicing Methodist at this time, um, but he ultimately agreed to have the priest come and check it out. So they called this priest Father Ray um, for all intents and purposes. I think they were trying to protect his identity. um, But Father Ray was a Catholic priest who decided to come out from the rectory and bless the home. Um, so Danny says that he remembers unloading boxes, taking them in the house when Father Ray showed up to the house. Um, and he said that immediately made him feel unsettled because he had never really seen his mother be overly religious before. He didn't understand why there was suddenly a priest in the house with holy water, you know, going through with a blessing.
0: Oh, can you imagine? <clears throat> oh, what? What is my voice doing? <laughs>
1: Ooh, your throat shock.
0: and um, Can you imagine this poor kid? I know. Um,
1: He says, um, oh, goodness, this is even hard to read. Um, He says it was on the afternoon of December the 18th, the first day that they moved in, um, that the father basically showed up and went into the building to carry out the rites of the blessing. He reported when he flicked the first holy water and began to pray specifically in the sewing slash yoga room on the second floor, he heard a masculine voice demand that he get out. When leaving the house, Father Ray did not mention this incident to either George or Kathy, which I found odd.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. On December the 24th, 1975, Father Ray called George Lutz and advised him to stay out of the second Mm -hmm. room, which was the slow sewing slash yoga room where he had heard the mysterious voice. This was the former bedroom of Mark and John Matthew DeFeo. Kathy, again, had planned to use this as a sewing slash yoga room, but the call was cut short by static. Of course it was. Mm Mm-hmm. Following his visit to the house, Father Ray allegedly developed a high fever and blisters on his hands, similar to the stigmata.
0: Okay, can we just pause here? I do not accept or claim any of this energy. Thank you.
1: Mm -mm, Me either.
0: Um, At first, George and Kathy
1: experienced nothing unusual while they were in the house, talking about their experiences subsequently. They reported it as if they were, quote, living in different houses. Kathy found the house very peaceful and serene, saying it was hard for her to even get out of bed to go do chores or to leave the house because she never wanted to leave it. Mm. Within a week of moving in, um, Kathy reported feeling her hand touched by an unseen hand. Cold spots began popping up through the house. Now, Danny remembers this in his documentary. He says these are not just like a random like chilly spot. He said it would be like a 10 to 20 degree difference from one room to the next or from one corner of the room to the next. Uh, He says, um, George said, all right, now buckle up here. So, George said that he and Kathy were being friendly one evening, and he watched her morph into an old hag.
0: Uh, no.
1: He claimed that it took several hours for her face to return to normal. <gasps> yes. Uh, the children, so Danny reported this in his documentary in this was correlated in the book. Um, He said that they looked out one night to the boathouse and the garage door on the boathouse was slamming up and down all by itself. So he and George went outside trying to figure out what was going on. And their dog was tied up to some part of the fence back there and was just losing its mind at whatever was going on at the door. So much so that the dog was almost hanging itself. And that's another, Mm. they went outside to go grab the dog. They get out there. He grabs Danny and hoists him up to grab one part of the garage door so that he can pull the other side down. They get the the door, you know, fastened again. They get the dog situated. They're walking back into the house. They look up into the windows at Missy's uh, bedroom that overlooks the pool. And there was what he described as an animated black pig looking back out from the window with razor sharp teeth and red eyes. He said that they both took off running towards the house. George took off running to try and get to Missy's room. A, to make sure that Missy wasn't in the room, but B, to see what the heck they had just seen. And when they got to the room, nothing was in there that they could see with their physical eyes. Yeah. Nope. Uh, let's see. Um, Danny also reported um, that there were several incidents when they were moving in where when they were moving boxes into that yoga slash sewing room that used to be the youngest boys rooms, uh, there were thousands of like mayflies swarming around in that room in the middle of December. They said they would kill a whole bunch of them and they would be right back again.
0: You know how I feel about flies
1: in my house there's also like he reported several different incidents where sometimes they were physical flies sometimes it was like a hallucination almost it was like they would go in and start killing the flies they would turn around and everything would be gone and there would be no carcasses of the flies left either Mm. so it was almost like it was toying with their sanity as well um he also reported um, that there was one particular incident where Danny had opened one of the second story windows of the house. Um, and when his brother Chris had peeked into the room asking him, Hey, were you able to open that, that window? Okay. When, he, just in that time where he turned around to answer his brother, he had his hand still on the windowsill and the window slammed shut on his fingers. He said that it took George, Chris's brother, missy and his mother to get the window back open and when it got back open his fingers were skin on skin he said that his mother wrapped his fingers in a towel brought him downstairs was trying to get uh ice to put on his hand and when they walked into the kitchen they both watched a spirit walk in through the side door and sit down at the kitchen table next to them
0: christina i'm having like the most wicked case of, like, deja vu. Like, you've already read this whole, like, said this whole thing to me. What? I'm not kidding. I was about to ask you, I'm like, are you sure we haven't recorded this before? Because I ask you that a lot, but I'm not kidding.
1: No. I don't know
0: where else I would have known the finger slamming and, like, the spirit sitting down at the table, like, all of that. What? I'm not even kidding right now. We have never talked about this. I'm feeling uneasy. This is (laughs) going like I'm really seriously I'm like
1: I gotta get off it it,
0: seriously it's making me feel like I'm crazy now okay keep going I'm just gonna sit over here in my craziness
1: (laughs) I promise we've never talked about this before (coughs) excuse me guys um so yeah so he said that his hands ended up swelling up to the size of like kids baseball mitts I'm just
0: about to be sick right now I can't even tell you like I just feel like I know all of this but I don't I've not seen this since like that movie came out with who was it Ryan Reynolds like however many years ago oh my gosh like that's the last I remember of it and I I remember the pig thing was it in the movie I don't know they turned uh
1: the pig Jody into a girl Jody. they called the pig Jody. this card in front of me just moved um that was the other thing the pig Jody ended up basically, like, befriending Missy, the daughter. And the pig told Missy that they would live in the house for forever. Um, Let's see. At one point, uh, George catches Kathy levitating off her bed. Um, The family ends up hearing what they can only describe as a marching band playing music at all hours of the night in the house um george reported from the time they moved in he could not get warm in the house um he said at a certain point he just stayed outside chopping wood to keep the the fireplace and the furnace stoked and even then like he said that danny even reported this they kept blankets down at the corners of the doors so that there wasn't any like risk of a draft and there would still be these wicked cold spots in the house um, he says, uh, Danny reported that George's personality started to become extremely aggressive towards him at this point. Um, and he started to abuse him according to Danny. Um, allegedly y'all, I want to put this out here. I don't want anybody from Andyville coming for me, <laughs> mm-hmm. coming from ghosties basically. Um, they also reported uh, that the toilets within the house started to turn black. On the day that they moved in, um, you know, like I said, they found all those sewing room, but they were also starting to smell really foul smells, starting to waft through the house at various times. Um, Danny specifically reported being thrown up the steps on several occasions. Um, Now, buckle up, y'all. Now, the Lutzes as a whole for the family said that they were only in the house for a total of 28 days. That was factual and true. They said that when they took their Christmas decorations down of the epiphany in mid-January, that all hell broke loose in the house. Um, they said that George started noting a green slime, literally a green slime oozing from various places of the walls. That they could never find the original source. Now, that's something that's legitimate in paranormal activity is what's known as viscous fluid. It's like this mystery fluid, like ectoplasm, basically, that appears. Um, The Lutzes, again, they said that the activity, as soon as they took, like, all of their Christian decorations down and things like that associated with, like, the nativity, that everything just shot through the roof in terms of activity. On the final night, originally, the Lutzes refused to report about what actually happened on the final night. They said it was too frightening and uh, too traumatizing, basically. They couldn't relive it and didn't want to talk about it. Hearing Danny describe it now, I understand why they didn't, because they knew that nobody was going to believe them, most likely. Danny said it was a school night. Uh, They woke up. Oh, I'm getting all the chills. Um, Danny said that it was a school night. They'd gone to bed. Everything had, you know, popped off like usual in the house. It was just a regular night. They got into their beds. The whole house was asleep. And he and his brother, Chris, awoke to their beds on the ceiling and the bed frames knocking up against one another because mm -mm. the beds were floating up on the ceiling and levitating on the ceiling. Now I need y'all to understand how much energy that takes to accomplish. Let's just talk about levitating one human person. That's a lot of juice that a spirit needs to do, but let alone two human bodies and two big beds and push them all the way up to the ceiling. That takes a lot of juice to accomplish so they had a really powerful entity in that space and i'm i'm probably guessing not just one um he said that when they finally were able to get down off the ceiling they both started to scream basically and freak out finally the beds eventually go back down to the floor did you just make a weird guttural sound <laughs> i just
0: put my glass down i'm sorry that wasn't me that time okay <laughs> I was trying to do it very quietly, but yes, that (laughs) was, hopefully that was what it was. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: So they go run and get their parents. They go run and get George and Kathy. Um, And they start to go grab Missy. Um, When they notice a white robed figure, basically starting to walk down the second story landing, that figure stopped at the corner of the steps and pointed at all of the family in a menacing way. They said they got this feeling like, We need to leave and leave now if we're going to make it out of this house alive, basically. So they grabbed their car keys. They did not take any belongings. They all ran, piled in the car, and left. They never returned to the residence. They sent movers. They never physically set foot in that house again. At least not until investigators went into the house. And that was when the Warrens, um, Ed and Lorraine Warren, basically stepped in with some news crews.
0: Listen, listen, how do they last 28 days? A of all. And B of all, at that point, I don't want anything that was in that house. I don't care how poor I am. I don't want it. -uh.
1: Exactly. Well, Mm -hmm. let's talk about that for a second. So one thing that I found interesting that Danny talked about in his documentary was that a part of the stipulation of George and Kathy's marriage was that. George would only agree to marry Kathy if he could legally adopt all three of her kids and they take his. And she agreed to that. So I can only imagine, like he is very still palpably angry about his experiences that he had with George. Um, And I'm sure none of us can know exactly what happened in that house. Whatever happened, at least as somebody for myself who was experienced abuse I am nowhere near as angry as he is, so I can only imagine what he experienced. It had to have been extremely traumatic. Um, So with that said, he said several times within his documentary that he wanted to kill George and did everything he could basically to drive him out of the house. He tried to make his life a living hell in every aspect so that he could try and make him leave his mom. He said, you know, here comes this stranger basically that was an ex-Marine that had absolutely no bedside manner or personality, had no idea how to be a dad, came along and basically erased my real dad and started being a jerk. Danny's at prime age to be, you know, entering into puberty as well. So there's lots of, you know, kinetic energy kind of being thrown up. You know, this can create poltergeist activity when kids are getting ready to enter puberty, let alone three. Um, I also found it interesting that, you know, they kept all of the DeFeo's belongings that were still left in the house that were salvageable. Those are little leaky sponges of good memories, but of mostly dark memories from that homicide or, you know, the mass homicide that occurred there. Um What's interesting also to be noted is after all of this happened and after uh, the house was investigated by the Warrens, Danny Lutz eventually left home after Amityville. He was 15 years old. He asked his mother, I've I've just got to be able to leave. Please let me go. I need to live on my own. And she let him. So he left and lived in the desert and was basically homeless for many years. That says a lot, y'all.
0: Mm-hmm. How
1: scared would you have to be to leave everything that you ever knew and go to the completely opposite end of the country and be willing to live on the streets, basically, just to be able to find some peace? I mean, that it really, I think, speaks to his strength of character, um, but also of how traumatic of a situation he had just encountered. I know how I was at 15 years old. I I would have no business being in in the desert, basically, you know what I mean? um so that really says something awful. Also. also with that said none of the other six owners of 112 ocean avenue have ever reported any further paranormal activity so with that said that begs the question are places haunted or are people haunted oh yes so i asked the guys basically you know what what was going on in amityville and i you know, to be very honest, y'all, I don't know that we'll ever have all the answers as to what exactly was causing all of that activity. Um, that was the overall feeling that they gave me. However, this is some of the things that they told me. So before I ever watched the documentary of Danny's, um, I was asking the guys basically about George Lutz. And I kept hearing them say the word mentalism and pointing to him. When I did some digging about George, it was rumored, basically, that he was a practicing occultist, allegedly. Danny Lutz firmly uh, maintains that George was a practicing occultist, that he was very into transcendental meditation, um, Buddhist practices. Um, He was just very much so into the occult, from my understanding. And I understand him being... unwilling to come forward with that with them being living in like the prime time of satanic panic you know what i mean Mm
0: -hmm.
1: everybody in the country still calls practicing occultists satan worshipers so i get why he was probably not super forthcoming about that with that said danny said many times he walked into the garage before they had moved into Amityville of their previous home. And he watched George levitate wrenches from one end of the garage to the other. Now, if he truly had some sort of telekinesis and he was trying to conjure something or open a portal or something like that, you got to think, did he pick that house for a reason because of all those murders that took place? Right. Did he pick it because he picked up on something supernatural that maybe was lurking around in the house when they toured it? Um, I don't know. With that said, something to affirm that particular account. Dana knew- They actually knew someone who knew George Lutz. Um, Ooh. Yes. Greg has a friend um, named Jason Gallen.
0: Who- are you Okay. You're breaking up a lot over there. I don't know what's happening.
1: Oh, it sounded like you were like rocking or something.
0: I'm not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Greg and Dana Newkirk have a friend named Jason Gallen, um, who was good friends with George Lutz prior to his death. And he corroborated all of Danny's stories. He confirmed that George was a practicing occultist. um, And he said that George chose 112 Ocean Avenue for a specific reason, but that he never shared what that specific reason was. Mm Mm-hmm. Jason specifically got onto the phone and did a phone interview with Greg Newkirk on his most recent podcast episode for Haunted Objects, um, and confirmed on several occasions that George could telepathically send messages to people that he him. Yeah, he said that he would be in a different room and George would all of a sudden.
0: You okay? Yeah, I'm choking. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, we're good. Keep going.
1: Um, he said that on one occasion, he was working on George for a documentary, basically. He said that George's ultimate goal was to open a school for psychic kids, sort of like Professor X. And he was working with George on a particular project, and he was in a different room of the house where they were staying. And he got this overwhelming feeling like he had to go talk to George. He walks in the room and George says, oh good, you got my message. Stop it. Yeah. He said on another occasion, they were staying at the house with George and he walked into the room glowing green. He said, from the top of his head, hold on, guys, Bitsy, come on, out, out, go. Come on, go lie down. Bitsy's like rubbing up against the table. Come on, go lie down. Doing the most. Come on. Uh,
0: y'all. <laughs> Who we'll have to join the party?
1: Anyway, they said that he was glowing green, and this bothered this man so badly that he ended up driving home in the middle of the night, 12 hours back home, because what he had seen basically bothered him so bad. He said, I'd never seen anything like it before, and I've never seen anything like it since. He had this huge glowing green aura when he sat down and started talking to them, and they said, you know you're glowing green, right? And he said, oh, good. You can see it, too. Oh, my God. He said that when he started talking, his head started expanding similar. Oh, I can't. This is. <laughs> Listen, his head started expanding similar to those little toys, like pills that you can pop into the water and they expand into those big towels. So it was almost like he was playing some sort of like mental trick on everybody. You know what I mean? Mentalism. Um He said that literally it bothered him so bad that he drove all the way back home 12 hours basically um, because he just couldn't handle it. He could not process what he had seen. He said he was absolutely a very talented uh, occultist, um, a ritual magician. Um, The other thing that was interesting was one of the psychics that toured 112 Ocean Avenue shortly after the Lutzes left, who had no backstory to the house whatsoever said there's a lot of ritual magic taking place in this house that's a very specific key phrase only somebody that's a practicing occultist would really know that phrase
0: right.
1: so he clearly picked up on something so when I, again when I asked the guys what was going on they said a there was some sort of ritual magic that was going on in that house or ritualism that was going on that got out of control in some respect. They said that there was a huge amount of poltergeist activity that was taking place because of Danny and the other kids because of all the anger that was centered around George. This created, you know, this perfect type of poltergeist activity. But I still don't think that was the major player in the house. Another thing that was going on, I think, was some energy imprints and residual energy from the DeFeo murders. Um, think about how much hate and rage gets deposited in one place after one murder, let alone six. Right. So this made the house a vibratory magnet for lower vibrational energy because of that large amount of energy that was displaced after that you know, mass homicide that took place. Lastly, they said that the, the family was basically in a liminal state the entire time that they lived there. They had just moved in. They were still unpacking and they literally left with many of their belongings still in boxes. Um, so they had you know, stayed in a liminal state and that definitely has the tendency to draw in paranormal activity. There's definitely more to this story that I don't think that we'll ever be able to understand. Um, the last thing that they showed me was that the Warrens did no favors to the activity in the house either. They said that because the Warrens were practicing Catholics, um, they said that nothing is more disrespectful to a spirit than somebody basically throwing holy water in its face. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially if that spirit did not share that faith. Um, Nothing will piss a spirit off more than that. Um, The other thing that was reported was that Lorraine, when she walked into the house initially within, you know, not very long of spending time in the house, basically said, I've never felt more close to hell than being in this house. Oh, God. That's a really broad statement. And that's a lot of fear to put into the, ha- the inhabitants of the home without really having the entire story. So there's just a lot of fear circulating around. And that tends to do a lot of different things to different people so I don't know you guys draw your own conclusions as to what might have also caused some of that activity but
0: yeah (laughs) that's my story no thank you and thank you for officially creeping me out this is probably one of the creepiest episodes we've done to be honest I agree Um, did not know all that about it and uh, I thought I wanted to watch a documentary and now I am not sure (laughs) Is intense but everybody else if you're into this watch the documentary and tell me how it is yes
1: but y'all find us on tiktok facebook instagram youtube and email us your stories at the ghosties podcast at gmail.com oh okay bye. bye